You don't know what your strengths are yet. You don't really know what you enjoy. It's a really limited work life that you've had so far. So you don't really know what you're going to enjoy doing and what you're not. You're 17. Plan the rest of your life starting now. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Kathy. Thank you, Lauren. I'm pretty excited to be here. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Kathy, so you get to know her a little better before we get stuck into our chat. Kathy Sanders is a self-professed nerd who is a passionate advocate for career pathways. With many qualifications herself and over 15 years in the space, Kathy's history with training education includes planning, writing, delivering, assessing, managing training, and even owning her own registered training organization. Her contribution and knowledge of the industry was recently acknowledged as she's been recognized as a fellow of the Australian Institute of Training and Development. She currently works full-time in a HR role in the construction industry, is enthusiastically involved in workforce development, training, social sustainability, and employment relations. Outside of her nine to five, Kathy is a dedicated volunteer. Having volunteered for a decade on the crisis line with Lifeline, as well as engaging as a foster carer with a local animal rescue and for the Channel 9 telethon. Kathy is currently a member of the Queensland Education and Mentoring Committee with the National Association of Women in Construction as well as a member of the board for the Griffith University Postgraduate Students Association, where she is also studying a double master of HR, IR, and international business. Whoa. It's amazing considering I'm only 21, right? Yeah, I can't believe you're only 21. How have you done all this? (laughs) Did you ever sleep? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm very keen to have a chat about your journey because I think it's really interesting. You've come into the construction industry And you've come from an education and a different background and transferred. Tell us more about your journey and I guess some of the pivotal moments in your career. I guess for me, when it comes to that whole career pathway space, the reason I'm such an advocate for it is because for me, it wasn't as traditional as I expected it to be. So, you know, you go into high school and in those last couple of years, you're meeting with guidance counsellors or whatever and trying to decide what you want to be when you grow up. And then you've got your parents in your ear trying to make sure that you turn into a responsible human. And I'm really sorry, mum and dad, they're probably still waiting for that to happen. (laughs) But for me, I came out of high school thinking, right, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to do something great. And, And I started a commercial radio degree. And uh, so Born this, is, for this, yeah, this is really exciting <laughs> for me. Uh, and it was like a couple of semesters in when my mum was like, Catherine, what happens if you don't actually get on the radio? Will you be the one behind the scenes pressing the buttons? And I was like, <laughs> oh, damn it. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so I changed degrees and I thought, all right, well, if it was up to me, what would I really want to do? Sorry, Gil. Sorry, Gil. <laughs> the producer just looked over and went, well, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I just really wanted to be the talent. <laughs> I went to a performing arts high school, see, so it was kind of just instilled in me. So when it came to deciding what degree I wanted to do next, I was like, look, I love reading and I loved English at school. I did all the extra units and whatever, like a real reading nerd. And so I told my parents I was going to do an English literature degree and my dad almost (laughs) choked on his coffee and was like, look, you're not going to get a job reading books, Catherine, so you really need to think (laughs) of something else. And so I ended up doing a bit of a double where I did English literature and commerce. So there you go, dad. And I really enjoyed it. Mm. But I came out of it going, okay, well, now what do I do now? Mm. 
after the English lit side of my degree, I was like, maybe I can be a teacher and make other kids just as excited about reading as I was. So I went back to uni and I did my grad dip ed. And then it turns out that like most kids don't actually <laughs> like English very much. And it's a compulsory subject, which is a whole other issue, really. So my hex debt lasted longer than my career as a high school teacher. And uh, I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do with this now? And I loved the side of education that created steps mm. to where you were going to go. Yeah. And I think as a kid, my parents always instilled in me that if you want to do something, you can do it but it doesn't just come overnight. Like you've got to work to whatever it is that you want to do, find out where you're at and build those steps to it. And I found that the education degree really broke that down for me to say, Mm. if I wanted to learn to be X, what are the steps that I need to take Mm. to become that? And then you can kind of break it down. So I really enjoyed that and I thought, okay, well, maybe adult education is where I need to be. And at the time I'd fallen into a role with Mission Australia, because that kind of community welfare side has always been an interest of mine. Yeah, I thought maybe adult education. And that's how I fell into like the RTO space. So it was never a plan for me. I always thought that VET was what you went to if you couldn't get into university. (laughs) And now having done qualifications on both sides, I really see that there's a good, strong space for that VET Mm. system and as well as university. So I think, you know, whatever pathway works for you and wherever you're at at the time, is really important. So I fell into adult education, really enjoyed it for you know just a couple of years because I'm only 23. <laughs> and what was that, 21? I can't remember. For 21, but sorry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'd done that for a good decade and I was really passionate about making training engaging for everyone. How do you get everyone across the line? How do they get those aha moments that I enjoyed so much as a student. Mm. And that's where I started to create my own RTO because I was going into others and, you know, like every young 20 something, I thought I could do it better. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is it. Yeah. I did that for about five years. It was lovely. I had kids and that kind of shook things up as a business owner. And my partner, husband works in civil construction. So we'd moved around a bit to follow civil construction projects. An opportunity came up on one of his projects for a training nerd. And I was like, oh, I wonder what training looks like in construction. Mm. And that's how I kind of fell into it. And then I've just loved construction ever since. So that was about five years ago now. And I like to see the career pathways. There's so many pathways in construction. And I think that's what keeps me really engaged. Yeah. It's interesting as well. I noticed that you kind of get lit up when you talk about adult education. So it's it's kind of clear that there was that passion there that, and you weren't afraid to keep looking at different, you know, you didn't just stay in something that you weren't. I loved that. You didn't stay in something that you weren't interested in. You kept searching and trying to find your purpose and what you really wanted to do and what you were going to be passionate about. And obviously now that's construction and working on one of Brisbane's major projects as well and doing a lot of the initiatives on that job as well. Tell us more about when you're talking about adult education, one of the things you talked about is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the building blocks of how to get Mm. to a career. Do you think that we in the career space do that well? Or do you think, I'm really interested in your thought process around that. Like if someone's wanting to, I'm here and I want to get to another position, do we do that well? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think people in general are impatient. Yes. <laughs> uh, and maybe that's just the way society is right now where we can get everything in the palm of our hand quite quickly. Mm. We don't really have to wait for very much at all. When it comes to where we can head, I think we limit ourselves with what we know right now. And so we expect people to be able to plan a 50-year career. We'll probably be working for a very long time these days. That whole pension idea is probably (laughs) not as secure (laughs) as we once thought, but it's a long time that we can work for. So 
to think that at the very start of your career at 21 or even in your 20s that you are going to know what you want to be for the next 50 years is crazy. We don't even know what 50 years is going to look like. No. So I think that adaptability is really important. And I think the other thing that is a real key issue right now, and maybe COVID brought this out a lot too, is that we can enjoy what we're doing and we can have it complement our life. Mm. Yeah, I try to think of my work life as I want to do something that I'm good at, but I also want to have a good time while I'm doing it. So, you know, we plan this whole thing of I want to be a lawyer, I want to be whatever, but if the path is not really as enjoyable as you first thought, you're not stuck there. There's actually a thousand different ways that you could take the skills that you've got and move them on. So I feel like even after, I think I'm up to about 26 qualifications. (laughs) um, Can you list them all? Yeah, I probably could. (laughs) And there's always a good reason why I did each once. Some less reasonable than others probably, but... (laughs) What's your weirdest one? Okay, so (laughs) before kids, I used to run half marathons Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed it. And so I had a few personal trainers and then I had one personal trainer that was like a bit of a goose and I thought, far out, surely I can do this better. (laughs) There's no way that this woman is smarter than me. I can figure this out. (laughs) So I went and I did my Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness, became a boxing instructor, nutritionist. The sad part about nutrition was that it really didn't make cake taste any worse (laughs) than... Disappointing. So now I just get extra guilt because I really know what it does to me, which is unfortunate. But yeah, that's probably the oddest one. Can you box still? Like, can you box? Or I mean, I'd like to think so, but probably not as great as I used to. Did you actually (laughs) practice in that as well? Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, for sure. And then I could take a boxing class. Yeah. So I could write individual programs, but I could also, doing the Cert 3 allows mm. you to do group fitness classes. Yeah. And then the Cert 4 is more about that individual one-on-one. Yeah. It just made me a really horrible personal training client from then on, <laughs> for, like forever and ever, amen. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best. And you clearly have a love of learning. Nobody does that many <laughs> qualifications that doesn't like learning. Yeah. Self-professed nerd is, yeah, is a for really sure. accurate representation, which is yeah. awesome. I think I walk around just going, what can I get from this experience? So, for example, when I was working for Lifeline as a volunteer, mm. I really enjoyed that. And then they offered the Cert 4 in phone counselling skills. And mm-hmm. it was something that we did all the time. So, for me, I engaged in that because, one, I thought it might make me a better crisis support worker. Yeah. But at the same time, it also reinforced what I knew. So I Mm. felt like some of those pieces of paper along the way were me benchmarking where I was up to in Mm. whatever it was I was doing. Yeah. It seems like you have an opportunity to advance your knowledge or skill. You just seem to take it. For sure. 26 times. Every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I heard once that good luck is opportunity mixed with preparedness. And so for me, I always feel like I don't know what's going to come next. So if there's an opportunity now for me to do something, who knows where it could take me. So yeah, let's go for it and see where it can go. So one thing I'm also interested about, you've kind of done the opposite transition to me and you've gone from having an RTO into going back into the workforce, which fascinates me because you've built this business and then you had kids. And we've all, and everyone I've spoken to on the podcast about that journey of having kids, everyone's almost had a shift at that time of priorities and how to make it work. Tell us about that journey of how that's been from moving from that back into the workforce. Yeah, I think that was the key, like pinnacle of how hard I was working was when I was doing the RTO. Mm. And I had a really great team, a fantastic pair of business partners that, mm-hmm. and we all complemented each other really well. And the thing was, as I fell pregnant 
and I really didn't know what parenthood look like, there was a huge gaping hole of what would happen once this baby was born and what it would be. My husband worked FIFO. Oh, yeah. So it was hard to consider what my life would be because my whole life was really my work and my study. Like I just, Mm. it filled the time when Paul was away and I really enjoyed it. And I just didn't know how a young person, tiny, tiny person would fit into that space. And then we had a few issues highlighted during that pregnancy where we had to meet with a genetic counsellor about what it might be like to have a baby who was born with genetic abnormalities. Wow. I was put on bed rest. Mm. And while I was on bed rest with my laptop on my lap (laughs) and my mobile phone in my hand, I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to be sustainable if we do have a baby with special needs. Yeah. And so I was like, look, this is the time. Family comes first. Let's put it aside and see what happens. And thankfully, he's a happy and healthy eight-year-old now. Yeah, it was a huge decision back then. And I wonder if the same decision would have been made if it was my second baby who had like highlights during that pregnancy time. Mm. But it seemed so huge, insurmountable Mm. as a young person going through that for the first time. And I think it's an incredible, you don't know what it's going to be like. And it's all this anticipation of how much am I going to be needed? How can I navigate this? And people don't necessarily realise until you're going through that journey yourself Yeah, where you kind of go, I built this whole career, but now I'm about to build a family. Yeah. And can the two coexist? And I wanted them to coexist so much because I knew how much I enjoyed work. Mm. And it wasn't until after he was born and we kind of settled into a new routine Like I was back at work within six months. I couldn't wait to get back into being me. And it's it's strange now looking back. But with our second baby, that was the time my husband transitioned into working for himself because he wanted more time with the kids. So it's funny how for me, I left my business because I wanted more time for me. And he started a business because he wanted more time for him. So how that kind of pans out is not always as we expect. (laughs) Yeah. And talk to me more about that. So he wanted more time for himself. So he was finding while working for someone else, he was getting less time and he thought that having his own business would give him more ownership and control over time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he was very about those large civil construction projects Mm. and a lot of them were regional at the time. So he was doing FIFO or Dido or what's the bus version of that? Bibo. Bibo. But but essentially it wasn't home. And so he would come home for whether it was one in every four weeks Mm. or whatever his roster was. Uh, And I think in his mind, he'd always put in the back of his head that when he became a tradesman, it gave him an opportunity later to work for himself. Mm. So this was a perfect time. And so he's done that for the last, it was about four years. Mm. And now our youngest is going to kindergarten next year. He was pretty keen to get back on projects. Plus there's so many amazing projects happening in Brisbane right now. And he started getting all the phone calls like, what are you doing? Where are you up to? (laughs) It's probably Um, me. (laughs) Those recruitment people are unbelievable. (laughs) Unrelenting. (laughs) He got enticed back into Project World. And I think he's really enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, you're both in the project world now. Yes, yes. How do you navigate? Obviously, you have two kids and you're both in the project world. What's changed for you now, both being in that industry, to be able to manage it together? Yeah, I'd probably say 10 years ago I did a lot of nodding and smiling when he told me about his day. God, it sounded really interesting. Mm. But now I'm in it. I actually really enjoy hearing what he's up to. that's good. I totally did then too. Sorry, babe. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I think it's nice when you've got things in common. Yeah. You know, so that we can talk about what's happening and, The progress across different projects is really interesting. I think another thing that's really interesting is coming from a different industry and into the construction industry, 
you would have a different lens on what you think the industry is like. And there's great things about the industry, but there's also things that we can improve. And obviously, diversity is one of them. I'm really keen to understand from your view, what do you think some of the improvements are we can make in that space? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, when I told Paul I was going for this position five years ago, he wasn't as pumped about it as I was. Really? He was really nervous about me entering the construction industry. And I guess the difference is I'm in a support role. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the office, oh, in the aircon, thank goodness. <laughs> and he's out on the front line with the team. Mm. So while he's out in the paddock and I'm inside, he wasn't really sure what that experience for me was going to be like. Wow. I don't think he expected that I'd love it as much as I did. One of my favourite moments in the really early days of us working together, and because we don't see each other very often, uh, we were on the same project out in Toowoomba and I had to deliver bullying and harassment training to all the supervisors. (laughs) And I was really nervous about everyone knowing that, like what our relationship was. And he put his hand up to say something and I said, gentlemen in the back, (laughs) to my own husband. (laughs) And that's when the professional lens gets a bit too serious. (laughs) What, did, do you remember what the gentleman in the back asked in no, terms of questions? because I was too <laughs> scarred by me calling him the gentleman in the back. Firstly, I'd never call him a gentleman. No. I maybe. love that he put it but he, yeah, his he was, hand up. Like, yeah, could you just answer the training? That night if he really needed to know the answer. You yeah, know? I can't remember. It was. I try to be very engaging. But, yes. uh, yeah, it was... It was odd to begin with, but now we've kind of settled into a routine and everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) making that transition, were there things that came, I mean, did it come natural to you to, because I guess a strategy is to get people from other industries. If we want diversity is to get transferable skills and pull people from other industries as well. How was the transition? You know, were there hard parts, parts that you kind of were like, well, I know this Yeah, I think the most enjoyable aspect was the amount of different types of personalities that come together for a project. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I appreciated that before coming into it. And considering I lived with someone who worked in civil construction since his teenage life, and I wasn't considering construction as a career, Mm. I now look at other people in that paraprofessional space and I think, well, no wonder you're not because I even hear about it every day and he loves his job and I never really thought Mm. about it. So how do we expect other paraprofessionals, especially females, to consider coming into construction as a pathway? Yeah. Yeah, I find that really interesting because now that I'm on the other side and I am trying to encourage, now is a perfect market for us to bring more women and a more diverse background into the construction industry. Let's bring all those really great transferable skills over and let's have more people have experiences like me where they've drank the Kool-Aid and now want to stay in construction (laughs) indefinitely. Yeah. I think as well, when we talk, and we've spoken about this before, when we talk about diversity and we want to be really clear about that it is about equality and not, I always say, and I know we've talked about this, it's not that we want um, men to feel less than. We don't want, it's about having more representation of women because we all know that a diverse group is better for thinking. It's better for outcomes. It's not just a tokenism. It Mm. is literally, we're trying to do that because it's better for projects. It's better for society. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not about taking yeah. from someone else. No, if anything, I think that the initiatives that are coming in to entice more people into construction are actually benefiting the construction industry and the existing staff as mm. much as they benefit and encourage new people to come in. Every year we have more and more dads going to first day of school events yes. and parental leave for both partners yes. is something that's really coming up in a lot of these higher construction companies. Yep, And I think it's important because they can – 
others, men, everyone can enjoy that time. Yeah. It's not just about going, oh, well, you know, we need flexibility for women. Actually, in 2022, we need flexibility for everyone. 100%. Yeah. And flexibility in if you want more women in the industry, we need flexibility for everyone because guess what? Raising children is something that is shared. It's not yeah. just on the women that needs the flexibility for the for kids. Sure. It's enabling the dads to be going to drop off and pick up if they need to or going to the footy games or taking the daughter to dancing and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And are you experiencing that from the recruitment side? Because I know when we are hiring, I am getting a lot more men, a lot more dads who say, I need to leave at four o'clock on these days because that's my daycare pickup day or that's the day that I have my kids at my house or whatever the arrangement is. There's a lot more men now asking for that flexibility as well. Yeah, there is. And I think it's something that needs to be thought of in the industry as well because there's, I'm noticing a real shift here from a generation that's coming through now and they want to see their kids like drop off and pick up and you've got that and then you've got another generation that's like, well, this is just the hours we do and what's Mm -hmm. this working from home? So there's this real shift in the industry right now. I mean, I've talked to dads that have been a project manager for 10 years, their daughter's not well and they're working regionally and they leave, they quit their job. I've talked to senior project engineers who don't want to be PMs because they don't want to work those hours. Mm -hmm. So if the industry is going to really keep uh, people in the industry and then attract others in there, I do think it needs to be addressed. And that's where regional projects are tricky. Yeah. Right? Because obviously there's projects regionally that need to be delivered and trying to make that work with families is something I see that's just sort of remain a challenge. But there's a lot to be learnt around the mining rosters that are being offered and job share and all sorts of different things that can enable a bit more work-life balance for both parties. Yeah, for sure. I think that whole presentism idea that you Mm. have to be there to be productive is dated in a lot of different job roles. The catch in construction, which I guess happens in other industries as well, is that the project's not going to build itself. So there are team members that will always be Mm. on site and it's how we manage that time now. Mm. And I've had some really great conversations with some senior people in different construction companies who we've talked about, you know, the the older pre-start that is really like ingrained in construction and it's so important to have that pre-start. Yes. But it's done at 6.30 in the morning. And most daycares open at 6.30 in the morning. Correct. So it's those kind of timing balances that either, you know, childcare needs to pick up on because we're not the only industry that has odd hours as well. So it's Mm. it's a whole societal sort of thing that creates these difficulties that we think it shouldn't be this hard to be able to either come up with a way to do a pre-start that's either digital or accessible outside of those hours, come up with a, a plan outside of early childcare that allows people to actually work the hours that they need to work. And then both parties can, like both parents, all parents, caregivers, guardians, whatever, Mm. can start to work in the industries or areas that they want to Mm. and not feel restrained Mm. because they had kids. Absolutely. And I like what you said there around the pre-start because there was a recently a shifting the dial discussion. I don't know if you were in it, but there was a shifting dial discussion that Narwick held. One of the comments in there was the childcare that Mm. just wasn't open early enough. And it was interesting, Jo, who was on the panel, and I believe she's state manager and she also runs an organisation for building for girls as well. And she made the comment and, and, and sort of said, instead of talking about opening the childcare earlier, we need to talk about how we can shift the industry so that people mm. don't need to be dropping their kids off earlier and that they can attend a pre-start. Yeah. So I love that there's different creative ways and different things that can be looked at. Like I think, yeah, it, yeah. I think all of this is, as, as COVID it had some 
parts that were tricky, but it's also brought some really good conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we used family daycare for a number of years and she was super flexible. She was like a member of the family mm. and most of her kids were from, so we had us, we had nurses and doctors mm. uh, and we had an other kind of emergency service providers because they also work shift work. Yeah. Those kind of things that you think it's pushing people away from re-engaging in yes. work. Yes. Yeah, it's it's tough. And I, th- well, I think digital technology now has meant that we can consider other ways of doing pre-starts mm. so that, you know, say you start at 10 o'clock, there's a way that you can still see what works are happening that day and what teams are doing what. It's just a matter of time as to how we can start to roll that across projects, you know? Yeah. And I think gone are the days where we can just say, well, the, the industry is the way it is and, yeah. and that's just the way, because otherwise we're not going to attract people. I mean, we're in For a sure. shortage right now. Mm-hmm. We need more people to do the work. So people not wanting to stay in the industry or feeling that the industry is not offering them the flexibility or moving to client side for yeah. different hours isn't going to help. Yeah, help for sure. The issue. One thing I wanted to talk to you about is the many hats that you've worn, you know, (laughs) like you've worked in education, you've had an RTO, you now work in this business. What advice would you give, knowing everything you know now, on someone wanting to change industries or thinking about whether they're in the right role? What steps should they take? Because you've talked about steps. What steps should they take to, you know, potentially look at making a change? Yeah, good question. I think engaging with other people and finding out, firstly, whether the position that they're looking at is actually what they expect. Mm. So I spent a lot of time as a kid saying that I was going to be a marine biologist because <laughs> uh, I just loved critters and I just, I just wanted to critters. be. Yeah, I just yes. wanted to be. And then I really looked at what kind of job that would actually be and it's not a lot of staying at home and it's, you know, it's, it's really wet and, yeah, it just didn't have the appeal in real life. Those it sounded fantastic. Yeah, mm. and cold, cold, yeah. like out on boats in the middle of the ocean. I get a bit seasick, so just it wasn't really the career path for me. And I think we try to decide what we want to do. It's about getting as much information about that as possible. Mm. So I really enjoy meeting people, finding out their little pathway to however they got there, and often it's not traditional, mm. you know. I actually think traditional is the exception to the rule yes. that we we get to where we are because of a whole heap of different pathways that come together and create this fantastic spot that we're in right now. Yes. Yeah, so I think the key thing is to really find out firstly if what you're looking at is something that really interests you. Mm. Talk to people that are currently in that role. Mm. Find out what their days look like. Do yes. they enjoy it? What are the good and bad things about that role? Because there's always going to be bad things. Yes. So it's taking away those rose-coloured glasses and really looking into what that might look like in real life and how they got there. Because I do feel like we can learn most things, but right now for me to become a heart surgeon would take about 14 years. (laughs) I mean, I'm only 21, but, you know, and it's those kind of things that you have to consider because I do really think that most of us can be whatever it is that will make us happy. Yeah. And it's finding that path that works for you as well. So, I mean, the 14-year the study to be a heart surgeon is also, it sounds really hard. And I just, I don't know that I have that kind of energy. I also don't like blood. So, you know, while it sounds really great, it's probably not the yes. path for me. It could add an interesting side to all the qualifications I've got so far. Um, <laughs> There's, you could be 30. Yeah. Yes. I did think at one point I could get all the letters. What's Z? <laughs> 
zoologist. <laughs> yes, zoologist. All the I'm critters. I'm going to be distracted yeah. the whole episode now thinking about what other qualification you could have that begins with Z. Exactly. Zoolander, Zoo. not a qualification. Still awesome. <laughs> Still awesome. Yeah, so I think it's really about getting down to the nitty-gritty of the roles yes. and finding what pathway to get there because there's usually more than one. Mm. When I've gone into study, like now as a master's student, the group that I study with is so diverse. Mm. So we've come from some young people who have known exactly what they wanted to do and they've gone from their bachelor's degree straight into master's. They've got a plan. They know what they're doing. They're really enthusiastic, those young ones. (laughs) They would be. Yeah. Oh, and so so much energy. I'm so tired. (laughs) Uh, Then there's others that are in the group that are more like me, that Mm. are like, I'm actually working in this space and I'd like to be better at it. Mm. I can see that there's a few holes that I'd like to fill and this seems like a really good opportunity to do that. Mm. So there's a few like that. Mm. And then there's others that have come from completely different backgrounds that are moving into the HRIR space out of interest. Mm. So they think this is what's going to be next for them and their mature age. They've got other qualifications behind them. And now they're looking at a new path. And I think all of those people, all of those options and pathways are all right. Yes. You know, there's none that say, you know, they're better because they started and they've got a clear path and they're only going one way. Mm. I don't think it's any higher value Mm. than someone who comes into it later and, and switches gears. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that... Think of how much pressure. I mean, I'm sure there's parents listening right now that might have a, a child at in in high school or a child at university, and they there's just so much pressure, you know, that they feel like they have to decide now what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And when reality, and you're talking about it, there's only a small, minute amount of people that actually end up staying where yes. they started. Yeah, for you sure. Know? So it's about. And you don't know yourself at that age no, either. No, I was just thinking that. You don't. You don't know what your strengths are yet. You don't really know what you enjoy because your work experiences may be limited to McDonald's and, you know, a paper run. Do they still happen? I don't know. But <laughs> it's it's a really limited work life that you've had so far. So you yeah. don't really know what you're going to enjoy doing and what you're not. Mm. Uh, and where you think, oh, this actually comes pretty naturally to me. This is mm. really good. Yeah, and I think that that's what's missing in that space when you think you're 17, Plan the rest of your life starting now. I think that as well. And then, you know, you come across those people that are miserable in their jobs. You know? Yeah. And and I'm like, you know, you don't have to stay in that job. This isn't it for you. Yeah. You can build another opportunity. You can create another pathway for yourself. You don't have to stay stuck. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what... I guess knowing everything that you know now um, and the the journey you've been on, you've got little kids like me mm-hmm. that are going to be going to become high schoolers and then go into the workforce. What values do you want to instill in them? Like what is important for you to instill as a parent? Yeah, I think for me it's enjoy what you're doing. Even mm. if it's something that you didn't choose to do, you can choose how you want to look at it. And, mm. I mean, school is compulsory So there's no getting out of that whether you enjoy it or not. (laughs) But you can find ways to enjoy your experience. And that's what I try to encourage in my kids. So we talk about what they enjoyed in that day. What what was the best part about your day? Mm. Sometimes I get grunts and other times I get really good stories. (laughs) My four-year-old's very chatty. He's quite detailed in what he enjoyed. It's getting less detailed as they get older. (laughs) Um, But it's about finding out what's making them smile. And even mm. if it's sport. So my eldest is really into sport. He loves it. Uh, he seems to be quite natural at it. He didn't get that from me. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, and so it's appreciating that. It's appreciating that he may not be as interested in reading as I was, mm. but he gets enjoyment out of hanging out with his friends and doing sport class a couple of times a week, yeah. you know, and he enjoys his teachers. Yeah. And for me, that's the most I can ask for at eight years old. Yeah. You know? It's good that you focus on the strengths because it fascinates me. Children are naturally sometimes more predisposed to seeing, like if we encourage them, they want to see the positive. They yes. want to see the good. Yeah. My son described me as athletic the other day. Oh, he's a gem. Oh, Oh, isn't he cute? I'm terrible at sport. I'm the most unathletic person you would ever meet. And my husband thought it was hilarious because we did a challenge. I encourage you to do this, and everyone should do this with your children. Ask them your top five strengths. It oh. will fascinate you. They will see you differently than you see yourself, and they'll see it based on what they see you do consistently. Mm. Ask it won't you. be cleaning. <laughs> Mine's not cooking. Oh, yeah. No, cook- no one said cooking. <laughs> And that hurts. That hurts. There's no appreciation. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So I think setting that tone to find something that you enjoy and yes. go with it. And even if you have to do things that you don't enjoy because it's a pathway to something else, yes. then we look at the bigger picture. We mm-hmm. just keep pushing. Mm. And it doesn't matter then if you've started a path that you don't want to follow. You never unlearn things that no. you've learned. So you can take some of the good from that and move it into something else. I can honestly say of the 20-odd qualifications that I've got, I don't feel like they're a waste. (laughs) I don't feel like any of them are a waste. And whether it's going from a graduate degree, and Mm. I have heard people say before, I've got a degree, I don't have to learn anything else. You're like, there's actually a whole world out there that you may not know. Mm. And sometimes you don't, actually most of the time, you don't know what you don't know. So starting to fill those gaps, I feel like you get something from every training session, learning opportunity that you get involved in. So for me, it's always about saying yes to opportunities and seeing what you get out of it. And whether it's something big or something small, it doesn't matter. You could just meet someone really great and and it could just make your day that one day. It doesn't Mm. matter. Yeah, I love that. Another question I love to ask because I love hearing about people's individual stories is your biggest mentors because I think mentors are key and can really shape us. Um, I think in one of my really early jobs, I was an admin assistant kind of person and I just finished my degree and I really didn't know where it was going to take me and I just started studying the grad ed. And my service manager at the time was like, look, I can see that you really like to draw a crowd. Do you want to become a trainer? Wow. And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I do love What a crowd. am I teaching people? Let's get into this. <laughs> yeah. And so having a mentor that could see the things that I enjoyed before I even knew it Mm. made a big difference to me. And then I realized I was teaching job search skills and all of that sort of stuff. And I mean, really, I was so early in my career. Mm. It's crazy to think that I could give amazing advice, Mm. but I would like to think that my enthusiasm was something that they could take from it. You know, we we had a curriculum and all of that to cover, which was fine. And I really enjoyed doing that. But for me, it was about seeing I could actually do something that makes me smile during the day, you yeah. know, and yeah. I actually really enjoyed that job. Yeah. And I think it started that process of going, yeah, I can actually earn money doing something I enjoy. Imagine yes. that. Yes. Imagine that. Like we're, we're doing, we're probably not going to earn money from this podcast, but we're doing something we're enjoying. And I think that you can enjoy what you're doing. I think people don't realise that. I think people get into a rut and believe that they just have to do a job for money. Yeah. And it can be about more. Yes, and I do hear that. When I'm going out to schools and talking to young people, I'm not a volunteer. I do 
I mean, I volunteer sometimes, but I do work full time because I have bills to pay and I'm not a Kardashian. So <laughs> I understand that we all have to earn a living yes. so that we can live. Mm. Uh, and most most of us, Kardashians aside. So I get that there's a money aspect of it. But for me, it's been about knowing that that sustainability factor is just as important as the amount. Yes. Is this something that I can get up every morning and go to? Yeah. Because it's a lot of hours in the week that you're going to go to work. Yeah. So you may as well enjoy it. Otherwise, mm. it's going to be a very long week every week. Am I going to be excited about it as well? Yes. Do I get up, you know, kind of pumped to do what I'm going to do that day? Yeah, and that's if, right. If not, do you really want to drag yourself through your whole life? True. Okay. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you've you've talked about some of the charity work you've done, and it's always an important question, what is the legacy you want to leave in the world? Oh, I, oh, um, I think I, I've heard the question once, like, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Well, like, I did what think is of that, that kind one. Of I thought it was space? a bit negative. Yeah, for, but for it's a, like, I, I think about like what we can use that one. What though. people, what I would like people to say after I've left the room. Okay, yeah, that's good. you know that kind of that's space. a legacy. Yes, yeah. is that maybe you're not dead? You've just yeah, left yeah. The room. I've just left the room. Yeah. Gonna live forever. That personal You've training course really wine. helped me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your fitness and um, nutrition are on point because you know what you need to do right. to fuel your body. Mm-hmm. You've just left the room. What are people saying? I hope that I leave a feeling of enthusiasm behind mm-hmm. me. I hope that that little bit of um, hope is left. Mm. You know, I think that I want people to enjoy their experience of life as much as I do, Mm. Um, which isn't always like pinnacle. Sometimes, you know, it's not always that great. But I did a customer service course once, right? This is a bit of a tangent, but it'll it'll bring it back a moment. That talked about the 1990s game, The Sims. I think it was the 1990s. I loved The Sims, yes. Right? Yeah, hours. So your little people had little diamonds above their heads and Mm. then you could make them talk to each other. You could make them slap each other or swear at each other or give each other the bird. I did that. Oh, so good. Fun, eh? Yeah. Sometimes you could make them kiss. (laughs) And other things. (laughs) And other things. (laughs) Keep it PG, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we talked about it in this customer service training that we were creating. Mm. And the idea is that after each interaction Mm. on The Sims, your little, little Sim people would come out with either a plus sign or a minus sign above their heads. Yes. And for me, I want everyone that I come in contact with to leave with that plus sign. Yes. You know, because I think it's so easy to fob people off. You don't really know their day. It's too easy to not consider the people around us. Mm -hmm. And so I try to think from person that served me at the service station this morning Mm -hmm. to the person on the footpath that I've had to walk around, Mm. I hope that there's a little moment that they go, oh, that was was all right. Yeah, Yeah. or she smiled at me or whatever it is, you know, and especially in work because work, it can be hard and it Mm. can be high pressure and we all have deadlines Mm -hmm. and sometimes things don't go to plan. Mm -hmm. And it's through some of those biggest adversities that it's more important than ever to make sure that that plus sign is above the heads of those around you. You know, they're the ones that are going to help you get through. I'm not an island. I can't do it by myself, you know. Mm. So if I know that we're working well together, then it's going to work better for all of us. Yeah. 
I would say you definitely leave me with a plus sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You're always a plus <laughs> sign for me. And I think that's why I love catching up with you. And I really want to join the podcast because you do have that energy. You do leave people with a plus sign. And it is genuine. It's not a, a forced and it's just natural to you. So you are definitely leaving the universe with a plus sign. Oh, thanks. Now, I'm going to ask you the rocket round because this is fun too. Oh, yep. Okay. Favorite book. Oh, my gosh. I know. Everyone hates this question because they can't pick one. I'll let you have two because you have 20-something degrees. Look, it's a bit of a cop-out, but I really liked Men's Search for Meaning. And I feel like as I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, just over and over again. that that, He was exactly like that. How did all of those awful moments still leave him with a plus sign of moving forward? Yes. Incredible. I've read that book too. Um, Yeah, that's probably my all-time favourite, but... You know, I also, I'm listening to Celeste Barber's book right now and I Good. love laughing in the car with mm, her. Mm. Uh, and I also loved Elton John's biography because he oh. swore in my car as I was driving to work and that's hearing Elton John say the F-bomb <laughs> while I'm at the traffic lights in my own real ears is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I recommend some audio books when it's narrated by the writer. Yes, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. I'm listening to Maggie Worrell's, I think it's You've Got This, and yeah, every time she talks to me, I feel like she's talking to me. Yes. Uh, I might have reached out to her on LinkedIn because I feel like we're friends now. <laughs> um, I know I've got you. really weird about it. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, favourite holiday destination? Oh, I'm one of those people that go to different places all the time. It drives my husband insane. Mm. I guess, see, it's kind of my personality, isn't it, that like I don't watch the same show twice. I don't go to the same holiday destination wow. twice. I rarely reread books because there's so many. How can you just stop <laughs> looking at the next one to read this? I don't understand that. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm always on to the next. Oh, what is going to get? <laughs> so so you don't have a favourite, like just everywhere. Yeah, Cats just going everywhere. I'm going to the next place. That <laughs> one was good, but I'm going to the next place. Yeah. Cats or dogs? Oh. oh. We just got a little kitten. Okay. Her name's Miss Mittens and oh. she's a rag doll and she is oh, love lovely. Yes. Fluffy hair everywhere aside and that she's like ginormous. She's really lovely and gives the best hugs. I think it's nice for you to say cats because so many people have said dogs. So the cats need some represent as well. Yeah, and my cats really give it to my pugs. So <laughs> I that gives me a little bit of joy. Cats are such jerks. Yeah, they really so entertaining. are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the pugs are just like heartbroken every time because they love everyone. Yeah. Cats are funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coffee or wine? Well, coffee during the day and wine at night. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> you got to pick one. Are you going to get coffee to start you or wine to appease you? Mm. Look, I think as a parent, it's most often coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And white Christmas or summer Christmas? Summer Christmas. Mm, Yeah. I think one day we'll go. I've got family in Ireland. I think we'll have to do it a cold Christmas one day. Mm. But it just, the summer is so nice. It is nice. Beaches are great. Yeah. It's what we know. Yeah, right. Um, What podcast are you listening to right now? Apart from this one. Um, Uh Gosh, I... I'm a bit of a crazy person when it comes to podcasts as well. So I really enjoy, this is, this is a little embarrassing, Shameless, which is a oh, podcast. Is that a TV show? Or the- no, it's um, the, the tagline is a podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. Oh, And fun. it's all about like gossip. So yes. I don't read gossip magazines or anything, but what listening to their <laughs> podcast every now and again just really gets me. And they do like these little in-depth reviews of of scandals in the past. Ooh. So they just did Beck Hewitt and Leighton. It was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So I, I like they had a scandal. I like that kind of refresh of, yes. of all that kind of gossipy stuff. But then on the other hand, I, I like I listen to finance podcasts and mm. so I like to mix it up. Yeah. I like yeah. that. 
And what makes you feel like you're home? Um, I think the moment my kids come running to the door every day, mm. and I wonder how, what age that stops. I think my eight-year-old is less a run and more of a like a gentle meander. <laughs> <laughs> but my four-year-old is still like, Mom, no, you I know, like it. I'm not. I, there was thought that maybe I wasn't going to make it or something. <laughs> my eight-year-old is like, Oh, finally, when's dinner? <laughs> I love that. And I, I don't think they'll keep doing it as a team, but wouldn't it be cool if they did? Mom! Oh, yes. Like if they came out of their room, just like rushed up and got you at the door, like monkey cuddle, you know, that would yes. be amazing. I do warn them that I will be forcing cuddles until they're, I don't know, 55 yes. or something yep. for as, as long as I can. I think so. And they tell me now mm. that they're happy for me to do that. I have recorded it in case it comes back against me later. <laughs> yeah, but I hear that they'll grow out of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've had such fun chatting with you. It's been the It best. was really fun. It was really fun. So, and I think the people are going to get a lot out of this episode just around your, you know, journey and just advice on, you know, following your passion and enjoying what you do. Yes. That's one that just people need to remember. So thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.